Today I am excited because we're going to continue uh, a series that we began last week entitled Financial Freedom. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I've been pastoring uh, Liberty Church now for 21 years and pastored for six years before that. I probably never have been excited about a message on finances as I am on this series because I really believe that God wants to bring financial freedom and blessing into the lives of the body of Christ because when we get financially free, amazing things really do begin to happen. Amen? And so we recognize last week as we started talking about this, that I believe the greatest bondage is spiritual bondage because when you're bound by sin, you are disconnected from an intimate relationship with the Lord. Sin affects our relationship with God. And so I believe the greatest bondage is spiritual bondage, but I believe directly under that is financial bondage. And we talked about how that when we are in a place of financial bondage, financial bondage keeps us from the purpose of God. And it doesn't keep us from the purpose of God because we don't have enough money to do what God's called us to do. It keeps us from the purpose of God because when you live in a place of financial lack, when you consistently do not have enough to meet the daily needs of your life, then you are constantly distracted by your thoughts, your emotions, and your attention on how to meet those needs. And all of a sudden, instead of being able to focus your time and energy and effort on what God's calling you to do, all you can think about, all you can put your energy into, and all you can focus on is how do I feed the kids, how do I pay the bills, how do I keep the lights on, how do I get through one more month, and what happens is financial bondage keeps us from having the clarity of thought and mind and energy and attention to give ourselves to the purposes and plans of God. And I can say without a shadow of a doubt, for many years, Kelly and I lived, as I shared last week, in a place of financial bondage. And there was a constant battle because we were constantly distracted by the natural need that we had just to meet the daily demands of financial lack that were consistently coming against us. And so God wants you and me to be financially free, amen? And God wants to loose us and bring us to a place where we can live outside of that bondage. So let me give you a definition. I gave it to you last Sunday. We said, what does it mean to be financially free? We said it means that we're able to live and give without the anxiety that comes from financial lack. We're able to live our lives, take care of our family, do the things we need to do, and we're able to give because we're going to recognize, right, God wants us to be a blessing. God wants us to be not just a reservoir that takes in what God has, but a river that distributes the blessing of God to other people. So God wants us to live and give without the anxiety, without the worry, without the stress of financial lack. Amen? And I want to just say it again. I do not believe that God wants everybody to be a millionaire. I don't believe that's the will of God for every person on planet earth because we have different gifts, callings, and God has different places of influence that he wants us to operate in. But this is what I do believe. Biblically, I believe God wants every person blessed and God wants every person financially free. Now here's the realization, and we talked about this a little last week, financial freedom is not based on a number. You can make $25,000 a year and be financially free. You can make $50,000 a year and be financially free. You can make $100,000 a year and be financially free. You can make a million dollars a year and be financially free. You can make $10 million a year and be financially free. You can make $20 million in a year and you need to be my best friend. <laughs> Financial freedom doesn't have anything to do with the number. It has to do with you managing and stewarding what God has given you. 
financial freedom and living a blessed life is how do I manage and steward what I have, where I am, so I can live free of the anxiety of financial lack and walk in the blessing of God so I can be the person and do the things that God has called me to do. Amen? So God wants every person to move to that place. So look at that first point. We said the first step to financial freedom uh, is simply this. We have to believe that God wants us to be blessed and financially free. So the first step to financial freedom doesn't have anything to do with money. It has everything to do with faith. You have to believe. You have to believe that God wants you to be blessed and financially free. Because if you don't believe, right, we recognize last Sunday, unbelief disqualifies us and robs us of the blessing of God. Because if I don't believe that God wants me to be blessed and financially free, then I'm going to live with a poverty mentality. And I'm just going to hold everything that I've got so tightly. And I'm going to live with a tight-fisted mentality toward money. And I'm going to be a hoarder, and I'm going to be a keeper, and I'm going to be a greedy individual that's constantly grabbing all that I can get because I don't know that there's ever going to be enough. And if I don't believe there's ever going to be enough, then I'm going to have to hold on to everything I got, and I'm going to have to squeeze it till there's nothing left to squeeze. And the reality is, until you believe that God wants to bless you and that God wants to financially free you from the burden and the stress of financial lack, it is in that moment of faith that literally you open your hands and you become that river and not that reservoir. You stop living trying to hold on to everything and you start living so you can live and give and become a resource that God uses to bless other people. If you think about it for just a second, the most prosperous people on the planet are the ones that provide income for other people. Think about that for a second. The most prosperous people on the planet are the ones that provide income, prosperity, for other people, the business owner, the company owner, those folks that we would look at and say they're wealthy, 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 they are wealthy because they are providing wealth for other people. Somehow along the way, they went from being a reservoir that just took in and they became a river that began to put out resources to other people. What an awesome thought, amen? And so God wants us to believe. We looked at four reasons why God wants to bless you. We said, number one, he's a good father. How many know God's a good, good father? And good fathers want to bless their kids, right? We said that we represent him and our blessing brings him glory, right? You are an ambassador of Christ. You're a representative of the Lord. And you ought to represent God because God is, is an awesome God. And I made this statement last Sunday. I said, when, God, when people look at you, they paint a picture of God. When people look at you, they paint a picture of God. Why? Because you're a Christian. You're a child of God. You're an heir and a joint heir of Jesus Christ. You're an ambassador for Christ. So when people look at you, they paint a picture of God. Let me ask you a question. What kind of picture are they painting of God based on you? Because you're an ambassador. God wants you to be blessed because he's a blessed God. God wants you to have more than enough because he's the God of more than enough. God wants to meet your needs because he's the God that meets our needs and does exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine. And so God wants you to be blessed because you represent him. God wants you to be blessed because your blessing and your provision and your freedom brings him glory. God is not blessed when you're broke, busted, and disgusted. God is blessed and honored and glorified when you have all that you need and more than enough. 
We said God wants you to be blessed because blessed people bless people. God wants you, again, to be a river and a resource that brings blessing and life to other people. And last but not least, we said God wants you to be blessed because the vision of God requires provision. God has called us to do something, right? And the good news of the gospel is that when God wants to bless the church and advance the church and advance the kingdom and spread the gospel and win souls and make disciples, you know how God funds the vision of the church? He funds the vision of the church by blessing the people. God wants you to be blessed because we provide provision for the vision so that corporately we could do together what individually we could never accomplish alone. So God wants us to be blessed. First step, we got to believe. Second step, look at it today. The second step to financial freedom is that we have to understand money. We have to understand money. And let me just go ahead and be, be hot with you today, honest, open, and transparent, okay? Let me be really hot with you. I am on the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to understanding money. Man, we got some amazing people in our church, and I've got some great relationships and friendships with people even outside our church that have an understanding of money way beyond anything I've ever tapped into. I mean, they're walking and stuff I have not even yet begun to imagine to walk in. I'm just telling you, we got some awesome people. You ought to make some friends, by the way. We got some people that understand money a lot more than me. So I'm going to just let you know, I'm not standing on the stage here today because I understand everything there is to understand about money. No, I'm on the bottom few rungs, okay? But what I am going to tell you today, what I am going to tell you today, the understanding that I'm going to give you, the truth from Scripture that's going to help you understand money that I'm going to give you today is going to be more than enough to bring you into a blessed life and help you live financially free. And I know that's true because we're walking in it. I know that's true because we're walking in financial freedom and we're walking in the blessed life. Do I believe God has more for Kelly and I? Absolutely. Do I believe there's another level? Absolutely. Do I believe there's more understanding and revelation about money than we have? Absolutely. But I can tell you this, the truths I'm going to share with you today are enough to get you out of the darkness of financial bondage and bring you into the glorious light of God's provision where you can continue to climb up higher and walk in what God has for you. So is everybody good this morning? Y'all still want to listen to me for a few more minutes? Come on. All right, here we go. So let me give you a couple thoughts, a couple things I understand about money. Number one is that money is not good or evil. Money is not good or evil. Money is a tool. I want y'all to say that with me. Money is a, money is a, money is a tool that can produce good or evil. Money is not good. Money is not evil. Money is a tool that can produce good or evil. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 is maybe one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. Have you ever heard somebody say that money is the root of all kinds of evil? You ever heard somebody quote that? Well, the Bible says money is the root of all kinds of evil. That is absolutely not true. The Bible does not say that money is the root of all kinds of evil. The Bible says, look at it, for the love of money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So look what the Bible says about the love of money. So last week I talked about how that I hated money and how that was a deception. So you can't hate money because hate money is the thing God gives you to bless you. It's a tool, right? But you can't love money because if you love money, you'll use God. And we're going to talk about that today. So I want you to see this. So let's look what this Bible, this verse says. It says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith. They have strayed from the what? Money, the love of money, I want you to hear this, disconnects you from a right relationship with God. 
The love of money disconnects you from a right relationship with God, and we're going to unpackage that a little more in just a minute. But let's look what the rest of the verse says. It says, For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many kinds of sorrow. So the love of money produces greed. It produces envy. It produces jealousy. Think about what the love of money does. It produces this greedy spirit. Where we become greedy, we become envious, we become jealous, we become covetous of everything and everyone around us, and we just want more. So the Bible says the love of money produces greediness, and then it says, and they have, and many have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. They have pierced themselves through. Greed will bring sorrow to your soul. And let me tell you one of the ways it works. It's this little thing called unmanageable debt. Unmanageable debt. See, out of the love of money, we become greedy for gain. And we want the car, but we can't afford it. We want the house, but we can't afford it. We want the new outfit or the fishing pole or the hunting, the, 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 the hunting blind or the new outfit or the purse, whatever. We want it. We know we can't afford it, but we swipe the card anyway. We want it. We know we can't afford it, but we get the loan anyway. We want it, but we know we can't afford it. But somehow the nice guy at the car dealership says, I can get you the money. Aren't they so nice? I can get you the loan. It'll be all right. Just sign on the dotted line. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a place of unmanageable debt, and we are drowning in debt. We are drowning in debt. And you want to talk about stress? You want to talk about piercing yourselves through? Think about it. We pierce ourselves through. If you look at the credit card, it's got your name on it. The devil's not swiping the card. Go to the bank, look at the loan. You signed it. You pierced yourself through with many sorrows. Because of the love of money, you were greedy for something you knew. Come on, let's be honest. You knew you couldn't afford it. Kelly and I, when we first got married, we'd make these unrealistic budgets. <laughs> we're like, man, we can pay all the bills if we don't eat this month. We really made those budgets. I'm like, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> it don't work. Because when you love money, you become driven by greed. And you find yourself in a place of unmanageable debt where you pierce yourself through with many sorrows. And not only do we pierce ourselves through, but greed... Envy, jealousy, covetous causes us to do crazy things. It causes us to lie. It causes us to cheat. It causes us to steal. And let's be honest, right now we have a world where it literally causes people to kill other people because they love money and they're greedy for gain and they're willing to take somebody else's life to get what they want. Now, let me just boil this down. Let's bring it really, really, really close to home. It is tax time. April 15th is coming, and it is tax time, and everybody's filing their taxes. It is 100% godly and good to take every legal deduction available to you. 
take every legal deduction, everything that you can legally take, get every legal deduction. You can take it, milk it as far as you can milk it, do all you can do. If it is legal, do it, okay? It's okay. But there is a tendency through the love of money that at tax time, good, godly, Christian, Sunday-going church people lie. They lie. And I want to ask you a question. Is that extra $100 or $500 or $1,000, maybe $10,000, is it really worth your integrity? See, the Bible says that a good name is rather to be chosen than silver and gold. You know why? You can make more money, but once you lose your reputation, once you lose your name, it's going to take a little while. Let's be honest. I want to be really honest with you. I know some Christians I would never trust with money. I used to work before I came on full time. I worked out in the world just like all you guys did. And the most outspoken Christian on my job site was a guy you couldn't trust with money. And he was the most verbal, outspoken Christian on the job. But everybody knew if he could rip you off and make a dollar in a blink of an eye. In the blink of an eye. So we got to ask ourselves, is it worth your integrity? Is it worth your name? Is it worth your character? Is that extra hundred, five hundred, thousand, ten thousand? Come on. Is it really worth it? I don't believe it is. Amen. So the love of money pierces us through with all kinds of sorrows because greed causes us, pushes us, drives us to do things that in our right frame of mind, if you weren't in financial bondage, you wouldn't even consider fudging on the truth. But when you need the money, we justify deception. And it's tragic because it's a trap of the enemy that Satan uses to take us deeper and deeper into bondage. Y'all still with me? Ecclesiastes 10, verse 19. Look at this verse. Great scripture. It says, A feast is made for laughing, and wine makes merry, but money answers everything. Money answers everything. Now, it doesn't say money is an answer to everything. It just says money answers everything. So you remember our point we just talked about? That money is a tool. Money is a tool. Money is not good. Money is not evil. Money is a tool. And the Bible says money answers everything. Let me just say it to you like this. Money in the hands of a good person will do great things. It'll feed the hungry. It'll clothe the naked. It'll advance the gospel. It'll win souls. It'll make disciples. It'll, it'll educate children. It'll help children. It'll, 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 it'll mend the broken. It'll set the captives free. You put money in the hands of the right person, and unbelievable, astounding, even supernatural things will happen because money's a tool. And money answers everything. Let me say it to you like this. The tool of money. So money is a tool in your toolbox, and the tool of money will answer every need you have in your life. So let's just think about it for a second. Let's think about the needs we have. If you have a financial need, money has an answer to that problem, right? You don't have the money to pay the bill, and all of a sudden somebody gives you some money. Bam, there's the answer to your problem. 
Money answers financial needs. Let's think about relationships for a minute. This is interesting. Let's say, let's say that you have marital problems. You and your spouse are married, and you're struggling in your relationship. You know what? Money is a tool that can answer that problem. You know what it can do? It can get you out on a date night. It can get you a little weekend getaway. It can get you some Christian counseling. It can get you a family vacation because you can't remember the last time you and your wife and your kids got away and actually laughed together and enjoyed each other. Money's not the answer, but money is a tool that answers everything. You got relational problems? Hey, money will help. Money is a tool that can be used to provide an atmosphere for your relationships to men to be restored. Let's think about spiritual. Spiritual problems. Spiritual problems. Miss Diana just got back from Africa. There is a world of people dying and going to hell. There are hungry children that do not have food in their mouth. And money is a tool that answers that need. It enables people to preach the gospel and share the gospel and go places they can not normally go. It enables us as a church to reach people and bless people and help people and serve people. And as we're serving them and feeding them and clothing them, we're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Money answers everything. Money's not the answer, but money is a tool that can be used to address every problem you have. If you are occupationally, if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, and you want to enlarge your business, you want to expand your business, you want to add more staff on your business, you know what money is? Money is a tool. It answers that problem. It helps you add more staff. It helps you buy the new equipment. It helps you enlarge your territory. Money answers everything. Money's not the answer, but money is a tool. Money is a tool. Money is a tool that answers everything. So imagine grabbing a hammer out of the toolbox. We got an awesome guy in our church. His name's Mike Shaw. He's back in the back. Wave at everybody, Mike. Wave at everybody, Mike. There, he's a little slow to wave, but... You put a hammer in Mike Shaw's hand, and he'll build you a house. You put a hammer in the five-year-old's hand, and he'll bust out every window in your house. <laughs> Same tool, different hand. The Holy Spirit said this to me this morning. He said, Keith, he said, he said the world, we don't need more money. Now, you might disagree with me, but that's okay. We don't need more money. This is what he said. He said, we don't need more money. Statistically speaking... There's enough financial resources in our world right now to meet every need, to feed every hungry person, to clothe every naked person, to educate every child to end illiteracy. Literally, there's enough money in, in our world right now to meet every single need on planet Earth. And I'm not advocating socialism. I believe it's ungodly and unbiblical. But this is what I'm saying. Hear me. This is what I'm saying. There's enough money to meet the need. The problem is not that we don't need more money. Now, that's what the world tells us. We just need more money, and, and let's, let's just take it home. I just like taking stuff home. Let's take it home. Most of us in this room here today, not everybody, but most of us in this room are probably, you're probably right now making more money than you've ever made before. Maybe not everybody, but many of you in this room right now are making more money than you've ever made before. And some of you are making more money than you've ever made before, and you are in more financial bondage than you've ever been before. Your financial stress is higher than it's ever been. You're making more money, more stress. More money, more pain. More money, more debt. More money, more problems. More money, but no solutions. Because the answer is not money. We don't need more money. This is what we need. We need more people that understand how to use money. 
We need more people that can pick up the toolbox and reach in there and grab that hammer called money and build a house instead of destroy a house. Build a business instead of destroy a business. Build a marriage instead of destroy a marriage. Build their children instead of destroying their children. Build a ministry instead of destroying the ministry. Build a community instead of destroying a community. Build a nation. Build a world instead of destroying the world. We need more people that understand how to use money. And I'm on the bottom of the totem pole. I'm on number two or number three rung in the ladder. But I'm just going to tell you, if you'll start moving in the right direction and you'll start climbing God's system of success, you will be amazed at what God will do when you begin to understand money. It is a tool. Let me give you another thought about money. I want you to see this. Money does not corrupt, nor does, nor does it enlarge our hearts. It reveals the true condition of our heart. It reveals our priorities, our loyalties, and our passions. The greatest reflection of your heart is your spending. The greatest reflection of your heart is your spending. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your money always follows your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your money always follows your heart. You want to know what your priorities are? You want to know where your loyalties are? You want to know what your passions are? Then look at your banking statement. Look at your debit card statement. Look at your banking app and just scroll down through there and see where you're spending your money because the truest reflection of your heart is not how loud you worship and it's not how many Bible verses you can quote. And it's not how long you can pray. The greatest reflection of your heart is how do you spend your money. Nothing reveals your heart more than your spending. How you manage your money reveals the true condition of your heart. And here's the deception. It's really self-deception. But here's some of the lies we tell ourselves, guys. Been guilty, done it, got it, horrible. Praise God I've been delivered. But here's some of the lies we tell ourselves. On one side of the spectrum, we think, I'm not really sure if I can handle money. I'm afraid if I had a lot of money, it might corrupt me. Now, not many people are there, but some people have that genuine concern. And then you flip the coin, you get to the other side, and you have the other side of the spectrum where people say, if I had more money, I would be generous, and I would be kind, and I would be giving. But I want you to see what Jesus said. One more scripture from Jesus, Luke 16. He says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust in also in much. Money doesn't corrupt your heart. If you have an evil heart when you're broke, you'll have an evil heart when you're rich. If you're unjust when you have a little, you'll be unjust when you have a lot. It's not going to corrupt you. It's not going to corrupt you. It's not going to pervert you. Well, Pastor Keith, I've seen a lot of people get corrupted by money. No, you just didn't see them have anything to do when they were broke. They couldn't do anything when they were broke. When they finally got money, you saw who they really were. They didn't change. Money just revealed who they really were. And then you flip that coin and you say, people, people say, Pastor Keith, you know what? I love this little statement. If I ever win the lottery, I'm going to give the church a bunch. I'm going to pay off all the debt, church. And church ain't going to, I will pay it all off. I don't say this out loud because I'm nice, but I think, liar. (laughs) 
Because if you can't give $10 off the hundreds you made, and you can't give $100 off the thousand you made, then why in the world would you give a half a million dollars off the 10 million you made? You won't do it. Because if you are unfaithful in the little, you'll be unfaithful with a lot. Because money doesn't enlarge your heart, and money doesn't corrupt your heart. Money reveals your heart. Well, Pastor Keith, you're trying to make me feel bad? Absolutely not. I'm trying to free us and bring us to a place of clarity, a place of clarity where we can get an accurate picture of our hearts and know where we really are. Because it is so easy to spiritualize it and say, well, I really love God because I'm a vibrant worshiper. And I really love God because I pray a lot. And I really love God because I, I read the Word. And I really love God because I do all these things. No, Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Y'all still with me? Next point, this is really where we want to go. Our relationship with money affects our relationship with God. Everybody in here has a relationship with money. You may not have ever thought about it that way, but you have a relationship. You relate to money. And because you relate to money, you have a relationship with money. And the way that you relate to money affects your relationship with God. We cannot, look what the Bible teaches, we're going to read it in a second. We cannot serve God and money. And if our hearts are not right toward money, then we will be mastered by money and enslaved by debt or enslaved by increase. And I'm going to talk about that. Our relationship with money affects our relationship with God. You remember 1 Timothy 6.10 we read a while ago? Those who love money have strayed from the faith. Why? Because your relationship with money affects your relationship with God. Look at Matthew 6, Jesus again. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and the devil. Is that what he said? You cannot serve God and... What did he say? You cannot serve God and what? Of all the things that Jesus could have said... You can't serve God and the devil. You can't serve God in your flesh. You can't serve God in this world. You can't serve God in this or that or this. He said, you can't serve God and money. Why? Because Jesus understood something. He understood that at the core of our carnal flesh, there is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. And there's this love of money that wants to creep up. And money has an amazing way of positioning itself as God. You ever heard somebody say something like this? We say it in church. We don't say it in church, but Christian people say it. We say stuff like this. You know, I either need a miracle or I need somebody to give me a lot of money. Now, now think about that statement. For, and I, I know we say it. We, we, don't, we don't really mean it. But think about what we're saying. I need a miracle, which is God, or I need money. Because money's just as good as God. We just put them on the same page, guys. We just put them on the same page. We just put an equal sign between God and money. God is equal to money, or money is equal to God. And I need one or the other. doesn't really matter to me which one. I just need a miracle, or I need money. One of the two will work. I don't care. You can't serve God in money. 
You can't serve God and money. So here's, here's what I want you to see. We were created. It's the last point on your outline. Then we're going to come back and look at a couple of scriptures. Go ahead to that last point. We were created to serve God and use money because it's a tool. We were created to serve God and use money. We were created to serve God and use money. We were created to serve God and use money because money's a tool. We were not created to serve money and use God because that's what will happen. If you love money more than you love God, and it's not that you don't love God, it's just that we love money sometimes more than we love God. And if I love money more than I love God, whomever I love the most is who I will serve. That's who I'll be loyal to. That's who I'll be committed to. That's who I'll be dedicated to. That's who I'll pursue, and that's who I'll follow. And so we recognize that I can't serve God in money because if I serve money, then guess what will happen? I'll start using God to get money. And that happens all the time. Now let's back up. I want to read two scriptures. Proverbs 22, 7. It says, The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. If our hearts are not right toward God, then we will be mastered by money, guys. And if you're mastered by money, it will be manifested typically in two ways. The first way is it will be, it will be manifested if you love money more than you love God, it'll be manifested by unmanageable debt. The borrower is servant to the lender. And you'll become enslaved by debt, right? We talked about it a while ago. You want it, you can't afford it, but you buy it anyway. You want it, you can't afford it, but you buy it anyway. You want it, you can't afford it, but you buy it anyway. You want it, you can't afford it, but you buy it anyway. And before you know it, you're, you're swimming in this pool of debt, and you're over your head, and you're drowning in debt. Let me give you a revelation. You are drowning in debt because we love money more than we love God. And we've allowed the love of money to cause greed and envy and jealousy and covetousness to drive us to making unwise, ungodly, unholy, unhealthy financial decisions that enslave us. I mean, you know what? One of the worst things in the world about getting paid on Friday is when you know that when you get paid on Friday, the money's already gone before you ever get it. Money's already gone before you ever get it. It's gone. Paycheck's coming, and you're like, nothing left. See, we've got to understand that the thing that drives that is that love of money. That love of money that drives us into unmanageable debt. I understand there's sick hospitalizations and all kinds of examples that may exclude that, but most of the time, if you're in a place of unmanageable debt, it is because of that love of money. And here's crazy. It's just crazy how the enemy works against us. When you want to buy the car, but you can't afford the car, and then the guy at the, at the, at the showroom tells you he'll figure out a way to get you the car, because he's so nice. Then, in that moment, all you can think about is how much you love and want that car. And then you get it. And then six months after swimming in debt, 
Six months later, after being stressed to the max every month, wondering how in the world, how in the world, how in the world am I going to pay the bill? How am I going to pay the bill? How in the world am I going to pay the insurance? How am I going to put gas in the car? If I pay the car payment, I won't have gas put in. If I pay the insurance, I can't pay the payment. How am I going to do this? Six months later, here's what's crazy. Six months later, that car that you loved and wanted with all your heart is now the thing that you hate. And you spend waking hours trying to figure out how can I get rid of this car. But you're so upside down in the loan, you owe more on the car than the car's worth. And now you got to figure out that for the next year and a half, I got to dog paddle through this thing because there ain't no way out. The borrower's servant to the lender. I believe there's a thing called manageable debt, but there's this other thing called unmanageable debt that consumes us. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I said it last week and I had to sell it because I needed money. Been there, done that. It's a horrible way to live your life. There's good news. The good news is that God can bring you out of that. Next Sunday, next Sunday, I'm just going to tell you, next Sunday I'm going to share with you how we work God's system. And it's more than just tithing and giving. That is a part of it, but it's more than that. We're going to talk about how do we work God's system. How do we work God's system of financial freedom? Because God has a system of financial freedom that if we will work God's system, God's system will work. And He will bring you out. He will bring you out. I had a guy after early service this morning, he come to me, he said, Pastor Keith, I live on a fixed income. How am I ever going to get out? I can't make any more money. I said, well, you, you're, you're forgetting one thing. He said, what's that? I said, his name's God. See, God can do miracles. God can multiply bread and loaves. God can do more than you ever imagined. And when you start working the system that God has in place, it is amazing how much access you will have to the supernatural as God will show up and show out on your behalf. Because He's a good Father, amen? He's a good, good Father. We were created to serve God and use money. Let me give you one last thought on that last point. Here it is. This is significant. If you serve money and use God, there will be a spiritual repercussion that will happen. Because if you're serving money and using God to get money, this is what happens. And Christians do it all the time. They rub their little genie bottle with God in it. God, I'm praying. I, I got a need. I got a need. I got a need. God, I'm praying. I'm going to read my Bible because I know there's got to be a promise in there that I can stand on because I need you to give me some money, God. I need you to give me some money. I need you to give me some money. And we're rubbing our little genie bottle and we're praying and we're looking at scriptures and we're doing all these little things we're doing trying to get God to meet our needs. And here's the revelation because we say, well, God, you promised you'd meet our needs. And God said, absolutely. He said, I will meet your needs, but not your greeds. I will meet your needs and not your greeds. And if you'll just step back and look at your life, God has met your needs. And the truth is, He has done more than meet your needs. But greed has pushed you into a place of bondage where you can't even enjoy the provision of God that He is giving to you because He loves you. And so what happens is is if you serve money and use God, 
then God becomes your genie in the little bottle. And then when God doesn't meet your greed, you get frustrated at God. I can't tell you how many people I've seen leave church. I can't tell you how many people I've seen get angry and frustrated with God because God wasn't meeting what they perceived to be their need, which was really their greed that had enslaved them. And all of a sudden, you become embittered against the one that's trying to help you. And you get mad at God because you've turned him into a genie instead of into your Savior and your Lord that you serve. Amen. So God wants to free us, liberate us, and loose us from bondage. Anybody in for the journey with me today? Come on. Let's bow our heads together today. I want to do one final thing before we close. Maybe you're here today with every head bowed, every eye closed, and maybe you don't know the Lord. And maybe you're on the outside looking in and you're wondering about all this money stuff that I'm talking about, but you know what I believe and I know? I know that the power of the gospel and the power of the Word of God is that I can preach a sermon on money and you can get saved. I can preach and talk about finances. And somehow the Holy Spirit is going to point out the fact that you need God more than anything else. Maybe you've been serving money and you realize today you need to serve God. Maybe you've been loving money and you realize today I need to love God. He's my provider. He's my Savior. He's my Redeemer. And if you've never done that, we've already had one give their heart to the Lord this morning, but maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never committed your life to Christ and said, I want want to serve God and I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. The Bible says it's really simple. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, rose again on the third day, then you can be saved. You can accept that gift. And if that's you right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you just to stand to your feet all over this building. Just a simple act of faith. Just stand up. Nobody's going to look at you, but God is looking at you this morning. This is your moment right now. Just stand. As people are starting to stand, our usher's going to come. They're going to slip a little packet in your hand. I'm going to pray with you in just a moment. But if you need to stand and you want to accept Christ, you realize you've been serving a lot of things, but you've never really served God. And today you want to be born again. That's what the Bible calls it. God wants to give you a new heart and a new life. So if that's you, as these are standing right now, we're about to pray. If you stood to your feet, I want to pray this prayer. Let's pray it out loud. I'm going to ask everybody in here to pray it with me. Let's say it together, all of us together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, rose again on the third day. I confess I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. I make you my Lord and my Savior. And I receive the gift of eternal life through your Son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today.